Isn't it funny when you're focused on something, how related items seem to pop up? Like when you see a movie, then it seems like all over the place you just happen to see ads and hear references about that movie. Well, I started researching products that use UVC, a type of ultraviolet light, to disinfect mobile devices and other small items. And sure enough, over the days and weeks that followed, I got pitched the opportunity to review several UVC devices. I started noticing ultraviolet light sanitizing being mentioned as a feature in vacuums, styluses, shoe inserts, toothbrush holders, and then it happened. I received a sharper image catalog in the mail and right on the cover is a woman wearing a red winter hat with a puffy white trim and holding a UVC device over a wrapped present with the headline, Santatize. I hate to admit it, but as a writer, I kind of appreciate the wordplay with sanitize. But other than that, I was just shocked. I honestly had no idea that the sharper image was still putting out catalogs. But more than that, it's kind of a weird visual, right? The implication seems to be that we need to somehow disinfect the holidays this year, which to some extent may be true. So I did a little networking and found two great guests with completely different backgrounds, but who both have an interest in the effectiveness of UVC to discuss the pluses and minuses of ultraviolet sanitizing, what it can do, what it can't do, and how you should consider and then potentially choose one. We're here with Christopher Allen from iCleanse. Chris, it's good to have you here. About seven or eight years ago, I remember being super excited to get this cool Bluetooth thermometer and measure my barbecue from 30 feet away. Was the iGrill the first wireless thermometer like that? Yeah, that was my first invention. I started that in 2009 and it came to market in late 2010 in Apple stores. And then our second version launched in 2012. Yeah, that was uh, the first four-way into the wireless connected devices, IoT as we call it today. So the company was iDevices and yep. that was the start of IoT in a way. It really was. We are the first one to go into the consumer space where we connected a device with an application and allow people to control it uh, remotely. How did you get into that? Was that one day you just said, hey, I just want to start doing this or what's your background? I'm actually a college dropout. I dropped out after three months and I was actually an investment broker for a number of years and was an investment broker in 2008 and nine and owned an all-state insurance agency. And I've done a number of different things, but I just had an idea to create this and decided that I was actually going to go about doing it. So started Googling how to develop a product and educated myself and lo and behold, made a good run of it and obviously sold those companies back in 2016 and 2017. Wow. So iDevices made a number of products and then you wound up selling the company to Hubble? Yeah, I sold the iGrill product line to Weber in 2016. So they bought that product and the patents around that. And then the rest of the company and all the employees, which were about 64, 65 when we sold, went to Hubble in 2017. Okay. So tell us what you're doing now. 
in July, I decided that I was going to buy a company called ReadyDoc. It's a company I had invested in back in 2017 as a venture capitalist and really need some help and guidance in terms of getting to the next level. And in the midst of a pandemic, this company did UVC disinfection of phones, tablets, and other electronic devices. I saw an opportunity to really grow it, help the community, help the, the population at large, protect themselves from what is COVID and influenza and MRSA and C. diff and all these various things that can live on your phone for a number of days. We've taken it over and now we've changed the name to iCleanse. I'm the proverbial eye guy. So I'm going to go to that with my epitaph on my grave, the eye guy. But uh, your grave will just say, I died. That's a good one. So this is a new adventure for us. We've grown the company already. We're hiring sales folks across the country and we're already in about 120 hospitals across the country and police departments, fire departments, education. Cool. So this is something in hospitals that primarily the doctors and nurses would be using or it's for everybody? Really, we're not selling direct to consumers. So this is a different business for me. It's primarily business yeah. owners that are buying it in hospitals. Like you said, it's about the size of a small microwave in terms of the size of the unit. And we have different models and you can see it all on iCleanse.com. But essentially what you do is you put your phone or tablet in it, close the drawer, hit the start button, and it bathes the product in UVC light for a duration of time and kills 99.9% .9 of the various pathogens that can grow on your phone. It's interesting because we just learned there's an article out of the UK that COVID can live for up to 29 days on various hard surfaces like your phone. It's something that a lot of people don't realize that you wash your hands, but then you pick up your phone and you virtually achieve nothing because your phone harbors most of the bacteria and the pathogens that can get you sick. And you put it next to your nose, mouth, ears, eyes. So it's definitely something that is contributing to the spread of numerous different viruses. I remember a, a product called Violite, and it was essentially like a little air freshener or maybe a really small coffee grinder. It was like that size. And you basically put your phone in vertically and then cover it. And then there'd be a glowing blue light to let you know it was working. But that was the first one of those that I saw. Yep. And since then, there have been other ones that do toothbrushes specifically or different products. But what's interesting is like back then, I think the pitch for that product was, did you know that your phone is 19 times dirtier than a toilet seat? Or somebody said, would you rather lick yeah. your phone or the bottom of your shoe? Because actually your phone has more dirty stuff on it. And the whole idea, I'm not terribly germaphobic, <laughs> although it's, it's a sliding scale, but you said it kills 99.9% .9 of pathogens and a lot of the, the real icky stuff so that you can just generally feel peace of mind. But speaking specifically, because we are in a pandemic, what does it do with COVID? Because I've heard mixed things about it. UVC, ultraviolet light can or can't actually kill the COVID virus. Yeah, no, it definitely, it does kill it. We test all of our products in an independent lab. So we've done all the testing and we share those tests. We actually just did another round this past uh, couple of weeks. So those results will be coming out in the coming weeks. It works really well at killing things like COVID and influenza and MRSA. And I think what people need to keep in mind is we kill pathogens. We don't clean your phone. So you still need to wipe it down. It's still good to clean your phone with a light cloth. We're not taking dirt off. We're killing. Yeah. We basically break down the DNA of the various pathogens and then don't allow it to replicate anymore. So therefore it dies. People tend to mix up disinfection, sanitization, and cleaning. 
and the other big thing that we're seeing too is people will say, well, I'll just wipe it down with some alcohol or whatever. If you really read the user guide on how to clean disinfecting devices solutions, you're supposed to keep the area wet for up to 10 minutes and not touch it in order to truly get the 99% on tables, counters, phones, whatever it may be. Not too many people read that direction and not too many people actually do that. <laughs> I can yeah. tell you I wasn't aware of that for a number of years. These are what I would think are industrial yeah. strength. And so can you give us an idea of the, the power and, and duration of a sanitization? Yeah, so killing things like influenza and UVC and things, uh, pathogens like COVID and things like that, the duration is about 30 seconds in our product. We see a lot of stuff coming out of Asia and different, for lack of a better word, tchotchke products that are actually in violation of a number of our patents that claim to kill these types of pathogens with a tiny LED. And you have to stick it in there for 10 minutes and then you have to flip it over do it for another 10 minutes. I haven't seen the test results and I would just encourage people to really look for products that have true efficacy testing from independent lab. They're going to use it in their home specifically. We think we're the go-to for hospitals and businesses, restaurants, but when you're lo looking at the consumer marketplace, really do your homework and don't just trust something that looks cheap. And then with regard to the big wands that you're scanning, you have to move as slow as a turtle to get enough UVC to bathe that product, whatever you're trying to disinfect effectively. And most people are doing this waving of the wand thing and they're maybe getting peace of mind, but they're not getting any protection, yeah. to be honest. And I think keeping it still is the point. The, the two big things with how ultraviolet works is that it has to be able to reach whatever surface. Like it doesn't go into anything. It actually just does the Correct. outside of whatever it is. So it has to have access to that. And if you're just waving something, then there's just so much user error possible. Um, true, very true. And I think that's the big thing we're seeing is when you're looking at it, UVC is not like microwave where it, does, where it penetrates uh, food or whatever it may be. If it can't see, it can't kill it is basically the way we equate it. So whether it's your phone and you have a really crunchy case on there with all sorts of nooks and crannies and crevices to a bottle or a jar or anything like that, if you're just doing the tops or sides of it, it doesn't kill it by going through it. It has to actually be seen by the UVC light. Okay. And I think I saw that you had different models that would allow folks to actually charge their devices while they're in there, which is handy. Yeah. For one of our units, the Swift 5X is a kind of a tower. It can hold up to five devices and charge an iPad, a, a phone, tablet, whatever it may be in there while disinfecting. And it also locks in, secures it in various places like warehouses and different distribution centers, hospitals, ERs, where these things get put away for the night and locked up. It does recharge it and disinfect it at the same time. Okay. And then the other thing, it seems like such a simple thing with all this other technology going on, but I think I remember seeing on your site that it actually says disinfected. If you pull it out too soon, then it's not good. But if you, you wait, it'll actually say disinfected because of some of these other products I've seen, you put it in, it does its magic, whatever, and then you're not sure if it did anything because you can't see a difference in your phone. Just having something that says, <laughs> actually, we have just disinfected your phone is handy. Yeah, we have a user interface. It's a touch screen and it does give you the duration of time and then it alerts you when it's disinfected. If you interrupt it mid-disinfection, it will. It obviously shuts off all the UVC lights because it's not good to be exposed to that light directly. And we are 
in a hardened case. Yeah, it has good user interface. We're changing it and creating better and better user interfaces with the products. And we'll be upgrading those firmwares in the coming months and with some new products coming in the next few weeks. So we're excited about where the company's going. And the big thing too, for the consumers out there, uh, the businesses is that it's made in the USA. It's actually made up in New Hampshire. So we're creating jobs. We're, you know, helping this economy with a number of folks being out of work. We're really trying to, you know, bolster the economy as best we can and keep the business here rather than bring it in from Asia. Okay. And you mentioned in some of the consumer products that we might see LEDs. And I've seen that. It'll say this has two LEDs or this has three LEDs. What sort of technology are you guys using in yours? Is it also LED, but just a much bigger, stronger one, or is it a different technology? No, we use a mercury-based bulb. It's a much stronger bulb, and it's a longer bulb. It has better UVC emittance out of it. So they're long tubes, basically, that are in each unit. We also track the intensity of the bulb and the duration of it because they do have a life. And so we track the number of uses and disinfections that go on, and then we alert you when you need to buy new bulbs to replace the units. It's usually good for about 4,000 cycles. So it's a good long duration, but we do want to make sure that you're actually disinfecting and doing what we say we're going to do. So we do alert you and you buy replacement bulbs and swap them out yourself. It's pretty easy. So tell me, you've talked about police departments, schools, restaurants. What are some other plans you have for large venues and helping folks when we're able to gather again? We're working on some R&D stuff that's going to come out hopefully in early spring, first quarter of next year. That will allow for more of a even faster duration of time. So sub 30 seconds disinfection and then be able to be placed in various ubiquitous places throughout a building. Because I do think that sanitization and disinfection are going to go hand in hand, right? You sanitize various surfaces, you disinfect your phones. And we're working on some pretty cool technology that I think will help us feel safe, but also protect us and keep us, well, I won't say that we'll ever go back to the true normal that we knew before, because I think this is around for a long time. I don't think it's going to disappear. It's going to be like an influenza, but it will at least give us some peace of mind and give us the ability to start having those larger gatherings again at some point. Okay. So it might be the kind of thing where there's like a bank of these at an airport and you can charge your phone a little bit, but then also if you're doing sub 30 seconds, you can only charge your phone so much, but you can at least charge it if you want to, and then and disinfect it before you get on the plane. So you feel a little bit better about that. Yeah, I think those are the types of things that, that you'll see from us, where being able to get people to clean their hands and their phone simultaneously and get them all squared away so that they have the best case scenario. We're not going to ever eradicate it 100%. I think that's the realization that people are coming to. But at the same time, giving them the best protection possible is what we're focused on. Okay. And just to be clear, we've hinted at this, but cleaning and sanitizing are not the same thing. And UVC is definitely not meant for skin. Yeah, it's not good to expose your skin to UVC, your eyes or anything along those lines. In small doses, it, it's not going to hurt you. It's not, but you don't want to be doing it on the regular basis. It's not, please don't, in, don't take it like I'm saying, inject Clorox into your body or anything yeah. along those lines. Yeah. You but, wouldn't um, do this any more than like you said, that you would wash yourself in bleach. Like that doesn't exactly. make any sense. So UVC is not something to mess around with. And it almost seems like there's a kind of a balance. Like it's either so powerful that you really need to be careful because it's dangerous or it's so not powerful that it's not really doing anything. So you don't want to have it be too powerful, 
And you also don't want to get a device that does nothing. So it seems like you guys have done your homework and you've been around for a little while and this is actually helping to clean devices and really help in some way to stop the spread of stuff. Yeah, we've been around since in this market, the company has been around since 2015 in hospitals. And like I said, we've had an installed base across the country from Yale to TriHealth to Mercy Hospital, Sloan Kittering, all these various large hospital networks are using our products today and continue to. I say we're resident experts. Um, we're not something that just popped up because of COVID and because of the pandemic that we're in. We've actually been doing this for a long time and, and believed in it. Obviously, the relevance has become much greater in the current situation. And I think the use cases have broadened tremendously. We're seeing everything from salons to jewelry stores. It's helping people get back into being able to do business and do it safely and give their employees peace of mind, their customers peace of mind, and themselves peace of mind that they're doing everything they can to protect all those folks. Okay. And we haven't really talked about the price of these things, but it sounds like you're saying that it should be affordable for small business owners. Yeah. And it does qualify for PPP. We have units starting top of the line. Five bay unit is $5,500. So that's pretty expensive. It goes down to $4,500 for our mainstream unit. And then we have leasing options that make it basically about sub $100 on a monthly basis for a business owner to, to lease a product. So there's the cost associated with it, but this is a situation where you pay for what you get and you get what you pay for. And I don't think you want to risk it in my mind. No, not at all. Is there anything else you want to tell us about what iCleanse is going to be up to in the next few months or future products? Yeah, I think we are coming out with some great new products. We'll have a couple of new products that we'll announce and we'll gladly share with your uh, listeners in the next few weeks. And then I think stay tuned for January, February timeframe for some cool, a little bit closer to the consumer products that are still not consumer related that we'll announce. But we're here to help and definitely go to our website. We have tons of resources if you want to learn more about UVC, how it works, what it does and doesn't do. It's a great resource and we're always happy to do consultations that can help and support your business. For our second guest, we're chatting with Dr. Jim Malley, the director of University of New Hampshire's ERG Research Group. Jim, thanks for making time to help educate us about this timely tech topic. Happy to be here. If you don't mind, can you tell us just a little bit about your background and what the ERG group does? Sure. I've basically been a professor of civil and environmental engineering at the University of New Hampshire for about 30 years, working in the public health engineering area. And for a good time of that 30 years, I've worked on ultraviolet disinfection for water first. And of course, since about mid-March, our research group, our lab, is doing nothing but UV for COVID-19 related issues on all size devices from very small to very large devices. Okay, cool. So before we get in too deep, can you quickly explain how the different ultraviolet bandwidths, uh, UVA, UVB, and UVC are different? Absolutely. We generally talk about ultraviolet and it received its name basically because it's just below the violet visible light range. So one of the first things to note is you cannot see uh, ultraviolet light. So wavelengths are broken up as they go down from larger numbers to small. And UVA, which primarily comes from the sun, are the longer wavelengths. 
UVB is next, which has a small amount of it coming from the sun. And then finally, ultraviolet C, which we focus on, is what we call germicidal UV. It has much more um, energy. It is much lower wavelengths, somewhere in the 200 to 280 nanometer range. It does the most disinfection for the shortest amount of time. The sun does not provide that because the Earth's ozone layer, the natural ozone layer, filters it out. And then we happen to go one more. We go vacuum UV in the research and industrial sector, which is very low wavelength, 40 to roughly uh, 185, 190. And that's very strong energy. And actually, we generate ozone commercially with that sometimes. So as we go down in energy wavelength, we get more power in the photons. Now, our other guest in this episode, Christopher Allen, the head of iCleanse, said that his company's products utilize highly effective mercury lamps and that we should be careful when considering consumer grade products that tend to use presumably weaker LED lamps to sanitize folks' mobile devices. Can you give us an idea of how or to what degree those technologies, mercury and LED, differ and, and why consumers should be wary? Sure. If we can think about how does a UV device work effectively, we have two parts to the puzzle. We have the amount of UVC power that we can put through a given area, and most people call that intensity or radiance. And then we have the amount of contact time we leave our device, our cell phone, our car keys, or whatever, in the unit, normally measured in seconds to minutes. The UV source, and there's many different kinds, is what gives us that power in a given area. And mercury vapor lamps are the oldest, they're the most commercially available. The fluorescence in most people's offices or homes are mercury vapor lamps with a white fluorescent coating, so we get white light out of them. So they've been around a long time. If we need a fair amount of power through a given area, they remain the first choice used in all drinking water plants. But there have been significant advances in other sources of ultraviolet. And you mentioned LED chips. They don't look like a lamp at all. They look like a one millimeter square printed circuit. So customers find them surprising when they say that's an LED lamp. We also have a great deal of interest, partly sparked by Columbia University in New York City, on the far UVC, which is a krypton chloride lamp. So there's lots of different sources. Now, the gentleman you mentioned is absolutely right in that the uh, LEDs per unit are much less power per area. We would need many more LEDs in a given space to compare to one traditional low-pressure mercury vapor lamp. Can you give us an idea of what the relationship is there? Is it a few or is it like dozens? UV LED technology is our hope for the future. It is evolving, but it is very low power at the moment. So let's take a typical mercury vapor lamp that you find in a commercial product that you might buy in the home medical market, for example. That might put out, say, 12 watts of UV power. Not unusual, you often hear of a 36 watt lamp gives us about a third of that in UVC, so 12 watts. But that one lamp, if we were to try and compare it to typical current affordable UV LEDs, 
we would need 240 LEDs to get that <laughs> okay. same amount. So oh, that's a lot. Yeah. So again, UV LEDs have a tremendous amount of promise. They have a tremendous amount of advantages, but the holy grail, the industry is working towards the day when there'll be more power per LED. The military is funding a lot of research in that area. And I'm confident we will get there, but it is very different. And you do have to be careful. I have encountered some UV LED consumer products that are well thought out, well designed, work fine. And then I've countered an awful lot that do not do the job. Okay. I'll certainly be asking you after this for a list of which ones you <laughs> like and which ones you don't like, because I, I want to be able to recommend those. For people who don't have access to that list, the big question, is it worth it to buy one of these? Or what are we getting when we buy it? Is it just peace of mind or are they actually doing it? And I guess my follow-up question, if you prefer, is what should we be looking for? When we look at these, we see them on the internet, we go to buy something, are there test results? Are there particular specifications of the bulbs? How can we be smarter about buying these sorts of products? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And as you'd imagine, since mid-March, that whole space, that whole market has just exploded. It's basically gone from 10 or 20 million consumer devices to almost 80 million in just a few months worldwide. Wow. The vast majority of them, unfortunately, are rubbish. Unfortunately, they cannot come even close to the claims they put in their ads. In our research lab, for example, we've, in my career, tested about a dozen different devices. Only two have met the claims that they published. So what does a consumer look for? I would say in general, I wouldn't depend on UV devices. I think they can be a nice additional advantage, but they can't replace all of the other traditional things you should be doing. So I don't want people to get a false sense of security. You want to be doing your, you know, wet cleanup, your dry cleanup, your, in the case of COVID, your masks, your social distancing. No UV devices are going to save you or put life back to normal for you. So worry a lot about false senses of security. You would definitely want to be using some of those old adages of let the buyer beware. You probably get what you pay for. Yeah. If there is a decent, reputable company behind it, they usually have a very significant user's manual. They'll usually have independent third-party data that they're willing to share on testing results. And there are few and far between. And then the other thing to keep in mind, it was very common from the chemical Clorox Lysol industry to talk about killing 99.9% .9 of germs. Every time we take and add a different nine, right? 90, 99, 99.9, 99.99, that is becoming incredibly difficult to achieve. I always say to imagine you're back in school not too many of us got 99.99 on most of our tests, and it's the same with the UV device. I would almost guarantee if it was put in our lab under the rigorous FDA testing, it would fail. It would not get 99.99. So those claims are inflated. The other thing is they're not meaningful in the sense that I don't know, if we're talking about millions of germs, that leaves thousands of germs out there. And maybe that's a significant <laughs> amount to still right. make me sick. So 99.9 .9 might sell soap or, or something like that, but it, it doesn't mean anything. 
Yeah, and the real question to scientists like ourselves is what's a germ? What are we really talking about? A bacteria is very different than a virus, very different than a fungal spore, very different than a protozoa. But if you think about public health as a series of multiple barriers, which is the right way to think about it, if we're going to prevent waterborne disease or airborne disease, multiple barriers is a great idea. So a well-designed UV device that you're willing to pay for is a nice barrier. The other is intuitive. Remember, and I think most customers, uh, when you're looking at an ad or a video clip or even holding one in your hand, if the light can't get to a surface, it does nothing. So if there's shadowing, if the phone itself blocks the UV light, we call it optics, we call it geometry, UV light cannot turn a 90 degree. It just doesn't unless I put a mirror in there. So if I've got a flat cell phone and the UV shooting across the top of it, it does nothing to the phone. So I can look at a device in about five to 10 uh, seconds and see if the device, when I put my phone in it, the UV is blocked. It's called self-shading. That device is not going to be very useful. The other comment is we do look at the amount of power per volume that's going into the device. The other thing you'll notice is time sells. So I'm tempted to want to say I can do this in seconds or 10th of a second or 60 seconds. As I shrink the time, I need a lot more power to achieve my goal. If I could put a a low power and I could run it for an hour, that's a lot easier to do than if you tell me you want your thing disinfected in 60 seconds. So that's the other big thing. And it it seems like there's a conundrum there. It's either so powerful that maybe it's not safe in the sake of time, or it's so low power that it takes a long time and then it seems either less effective or less desirable somehow. Right. That's definitely a quandary. The other thing about safety, things about time, one of the things I happen to be dead set against is any UV source that's a wand that you can wave around that's not in a contained controlled box. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The wand itself could be dangerous. It could damage skin or eyes or your pet or your children. But even more immediate than that, you're trying to disinfect something we cannot see. And the UV light that's doing the work, we cannot see. So it's like using an invisible paintbrush. I don't know any human that can hold it the right distance over and cover all the surfaces evenly. We don't have the patience. We don't have the attention span. The other common trick in the industry is they'll send a device to a relatively inexpensive testing lab. They'll get some data on an easy-to-kill bacteria where they put the lamp or the wand a tenth of an inch above the organism really close. And remember, every inch I move, the power drops off as a square. So then they'll sell the wand and the ad, you'll look like Darth Vader waving it around. Six inches from the surface, it's doing nothing. Yeah. It's misleading. So I'm dead set against wands. I don't think the average user can use them correctly or safely. And another thing I saw is some test results that say kills up to 99.9%. It's like the dollar store version. It may kill up to that, but 75% is up to it. 20% is up to it. It it just means it can't do more than that. So they're basically saying the most effective it could be, most likely in a dark room with a robot and held a tenth of an inch away, 
is this, or it can be less effective. So yeah. it, it seems like everything is pointing to, if you wave a wand, it will go away. And if you're going to wave a wand, you might as well have a Harry Potter wand because it's doing the <laughs> same thing it's doing. I agree. The consumer has every right to do whatever they want. I worry in the case of now we're dealing with an organism that has real public health effects, could cause great illness or death. If it was simple run-of-the-mill germaphobe things from decades ago where you might get sick, you might get the flu and recover, you might get a stomach bug. All right, fine. But now it's probably the first time in the history of that particular market and that market is the Wild West. I think a lot of consumers don't realize it's not regulated by anything. The only time that it comes around is if a false claim finally gets to the FTC, they investigate it and they shut down the seller and maker of that equipment. But there's no standard certifications most of the time. There's no NSF or Underwriters Laboratory or FDA approval stamped on it, EPA approval stamped on it. They've always been able to get away living in that fringe. And again, if the consumer says it's 50 bucks and I'm going to get it because it must be doing something, that's their privilege. But it has a purple light, so it must be doing yeah. something, right? <laughs> it's pretty, whatever you want to yeah. say. But I just hope they don't use a false sense of security to then take risks with COVID-19 especially. I don't want them to have UV and not do their masks and their hand sanitizer and their proper behavior because then it becomes dangerous and criminal. Exactly. It's really, at best, it's one step along the way. At best. At don't best. take your mask off. Don't start going to huge indoor concerts and that sort of thing. You still have to be safe. And this is just one other layer. Yeah. And I, I think you actually showed me some devices that underscore that the devices we find that do a pretty darn good job are in the hundreds to thousands of dollar range. They're not 25 bucks or 75. I think the cheapest one we've found that does work pretty well, it's home medical devices. I can't recommend any, I can't give you any real names, but okay. four or $500. And the ones you showed me are much more engineered and much more practical. They're four or five, $6,000. They, yeah. There, now you're starting to talk about serious engineering and seriously effective equipment. Okay. Is there any other related information that can help educate folks about the extent to which these LED-based UVC sanitizers are effective versus gimmicky? It feels like we've covered mm. a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, sure. I think LEDs are the future. I think they're going to come a long way. Normally, they're significantly underpowered. Again, uh, I think just visualizing them, imagine a small device and you have, I've seen many with two in the top, two in the bottom. You're putting your cell phone in there. The sides, the touch surfaces where all the buttons are, not getting any dose at all. If there are shadows, it doesn't work very well. Most UV LED devices that work really well are going to have dozens to hundreds of LEDs on them. Maybe that's the other ballpark thing you could, if mm. there's only a few, I can't imagine it's doing a good job. Hmm. So it doesn't seem like most of the ones out there would be effective, but at least they seem safe. I guess the, the good news is if they're not doing their job, then they're at least not hurting you. <laughs> right? Yeah. The, the other good news is unless we're talking wands or some exposed UV light, the boxes, the devices, some of them look like 
lunch coolers, anything that's closed up is probably just about as safe as a microwave oven. So those don't worry me at all. It's the ones where you plug it into your phone and you wave it around, or it's, you know, you plug it into a laptop. Those worry me, particularly cornea damage. That's the yeah. most sensitive tissues on our bodies. Your skin will get a little red. It's probably not a big deal, but the eyes I do worry about. Yeah, most of them, it's exactly right. If they're grossly underpowered, and especially if they're zipped up under some closed device, the only harm is going to come if you think you're safe from COVID and you really didn't do anything, basically. Cool. Dr. Malley, thank you so much. I've actually, I've done a little bit of my own sort of side research, and I learned a bunch just listening, so I hope our, our listeners did too. Okay, thanks for asking, and I'm glad I could be of some help. This is the part of the episode where I usually discuss, recommend, and review related products. But based on what I heard from both of our guests, at this point, I'm really hesitating to mention any products. Ultimately, like Dr. Malley said, no UV devices are going to save you or put life back to normal for you. Which is too bad because there's certainly no lack of products out there. In fact, even since recording these conversations a week or so ago, I've been pitched two new products. One has UVC capabilities built into a wide mouth water bottle cap, and the other one is a little motion activated unit about the size of a lighter that's meant to be placed inside kitchen cupboards, gym lockers, car trunks, and other enclosed spaces. But since neither were able to furnish me with independent research results in time, I'm not calling them out specifically or including links to their sites, but I will mention a couple of products. The first is from Mophie. You probably know them from all those charging cases that they make. As with similarly small rectangular products, you put a phone or other small items into it, tap the button, and the UVC does its thing. But while you're doing that, or even independently of doing that, as long as it's plugged in, you can wirelessly charge a phone by simply laying it on top of this device. In other words, at the very least, you're paying for and getting a handy wireless charger that I can verify does actually power up my phone. As of this recording, it's showing as out of stock on their site. I am seeing it available for a wide range of prices like $50 to $80 on other popular sites like Best Buy, Staples, etc. So you'll want to shop around. The only other UVC product I'll mention here is from Hometics. It's their sanitizer bag. It's a nice looking pouch, maybe seven or eight inches long, that retails for $80. And what I really like about it is that it's rechargeable, meaning unlike most of the ones you'll find, this is mobile and doesn't have to be plugged into work. You can take it with you and use it on the go. Based on its size, shape, and orientation, it can handle a variety of relatively small items. It has a phone holder inside, or you can swap that for a little bench-like configuration for smaller things like wireless earbuds. Just zip up the pouch, magnetically stick the end of the zipper to the pouch to ensure it's sealed, then click the button and it works. You can do a one minute cycle, or even better, you can do two or three. Like I said, I found a ton more devices in my research but Hometics were the only folks who provided me with access to relevant research results. I'm not actually allowed to share those results with y'all, 
but I did read through them and judge this product to be a reasonable device to get for peace of mind in significantly reducing the most common pathogens, which includes staph, E. coli, salmonella, and the flu. Just to be clear, that doesn't include the COVID-19 virus. Speaking of which, I do need to mention that Dr. Malley, unfortunately for legal reasons, was unable to share what devices his group scientifically determined to be good or bad. That means I have no idea what's on his UV naughty and nice lists, and therefore he didn't really directly influence my recommendations. And Dr. Malley definitely does not endorse any particular consumer UVC devices. Okay, so let's reiterate what we discussed earlier. You should stay away from any small wand devices that rely on you to move them over a surface. More generally, be wary of small UVC sanitizing devices that use LEDs and claim to disinfect in a matter of seconds, especially if they claim to kill COVID. Ultimately, you need to understand what the product is claiming it can do. So please do your research. Keep the information in mind that you've heard here from actual UVC experts and if you're still inclined to get such a device for home use, try to find a good quality product from a reputable company. In the meantime, you may want to consider an antimicrobial phone case like the ones OtterBox offers. Or better yet, grab a dedicated screen cleaning spray like Woosh. That's W-H-O-O-S-H. So you can wipe down your icky screen every so often while you're out and about. And having said all that, you still need to use common sense and employ other proven barriers like washing your hands, wearing a mask, and maintaining a proper social distance. Ah, good. Now that I've made that final disclosure, I can end this episode with a 99.99999% clean conscience. Thanks again to both of our special guests, Christopher Allen from iCleanse, and Dr. Jim Malley from the University of New Hampshire's Environmental Research Group. If you'd like to hear more Family CTO podcasts about a range of practical tech topics to help you better outfit your digital household, find us and subscribe on Podbean, Player FM, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Listen Notes, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music. Or easiest of all, just ask your nearest Amazon Echo to play the Family CTO podcast. In our next episode, we'll be releasing the first of a five-part series of holiday gift gadget guides. So until next time, take care, and remember, don't be left to your own devices. This podcast, copyrighted 2020, is the intellectual property of the Family CTO, a division of the Gadget Concierge Incorporated. All rights reserved.